here's something most people don't know about LinkedIn is that it has over 740 million members. And from those millions of members, only less than 2% are posting weekly. And most of these posts are actually text, graphic, or um, link posts or something like that. So meaning not video. So for example, if you're a law practice owner or a partner um, doing videos, um, sharing your expertise on LinkedIn, and thousands of your industry peers are not, uh, you probably have no idea how big of a deal this will pay, play in your professional life. Welcome to the Wealth and Law podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and I am joined again, like usual, by Rachel Sass. Rachel, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You yeah, said was, again. You're like, again. Oh, again. I'm joined by again. Rachel Sass. Oh, <laughs> I got to get someone new. Dad Shaker. <laughs> I keep I do have a re- back. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do have a petition to get that restraining order. So <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as that comes to fruition, I'll be able to just like sort of screen you off. <laughs> Until then, again, yes. Rachel Sass. <laughs> I've been work I've been working on just like how persuasive I need to be with the judge, you know. I'm trying to I'm trying to get to where I can just call the tears to come just on the spot because I feel like I might need that in the hearing. <laughs> go go to the bathroom, cut an onion real quick, get your eyes all, all messed just up. Just really already. rub it in there too, right yeah. in the sockets. <laughs> yeah. Get some salt water and put that in your eyes. Mm-hmm. I see the great lengths that you're you're trying to go to get rid of me. Well, what I'm saying is if you're going to try to fight this restraining order, you're going to have a problem on your hands, Rachel. I'm not it at all. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. Of course I'm going to fight it. Come on. Yeah, it's in right. our nature. <laughs> Can't walk away from a fight. No. <laughs> that would be against all my, my nature right there. Yes, certainly. So <laughs> what's new? What are you guys up to? Let's see. Not much is new, actually. We're trying to plan something fun for the fall. I'm already in fall mode, by the way. I know it's still technically summer and it's still like 100 degrees out and everything, but I've put up all my fall decor in my house. Um, And so we're trying to plan something out, but we don't know what, especially in the COVID age and how crazy things are getting again. And yeah, so we'll see. Did you say you're trying to plan out the fall decor? Well, a part of that, yes, because I realized, yeah, so I took down a bunch of my fall decor and I realized I don't have a lot. I have like one bucket worth and that's, Mm. that's not a lot. That's not a lot. No, that's sad. It it is, you know, and I've already gone to home goods and they don't have a big fall selection right now, which is very, very depressing. So apparently I just need to do a little bit more shopping, but yeah, I'm trying to get in the fall spirit already. That's the only way to make it not feel like a hundred degrees. So trying to plan it all out. Yeah, well, I I wish you the best of luck. To say (laughs) that I have literally nothing to add of any value on that topic is an understatement. (laughs) I know know a lot of people are like, really? You did the fall? Like, it's not even September yet. I'm like, it's August. When when kids go back to school, to me, that is like fall. So I'm in the fall spirit already. I I did see that I believe as of this week, Dunkin' Donuts has has, uh, rolled out their fall pumpkin spice flavors for all things dunkin donut if a person goes to that place but that's ambitious i think that's that's pretty good they they beat starbucks to the punch right they, how about they, it yeah they why beat not the psl season 
I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm the person that would have like my Christmas tree up all year long if my husband would let me. So I, I get it. I can see <laughs> dynamic. Yes. I'm I'm not surprised by that. And uh I'm I'm just gonna suggest, and I mean this in the nicest possible friend way, I think that's healthy that you have that other part of your life that is hedging against these instincts. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're taking that as a compliment, though. I'm I'm not actually seeing that you think that that was a compliment. It was just ask, <laughs> ask your husband. He'll confirm it was definitely a compliment. OK, I will. Uh, right after this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be checking my mail for like powdery substances and things. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my restraining order petition. OK, OK, there you go. I got to be sneaky, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had she had shifty eyes. It seemed like she was going to put something in the mail to me. <laughs> she made a comment about my uh, I made a comment about her fall decor too early. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to be fun. Can't can't wait. Well, that's really not going to happen. Sorry, anybody who's listening who doesn't realize that that's totally a joke. That's never going to happen. But for things that are actually real and do happen, uh, we have our good guest and friend, Yeva Erniskova, who is actually joining us from the Netherlands. So all of this talk about like 100 degree Fahrenheit weather and Dunkin' Donuts probably doesn't mean too much for you, Yeva, but just know you're not missing out. Thank you, Rachel and Brian, so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. And so for people who don't know who you are, maybe give us sort of high level resume. So that sets right. the context for this conversation. Well, I consider myself a social media expert, content creator, and an entrepreneur at heart. Um, my journey actually started years ago in, in primary school when I opened up a YouTube account to post videos of myself singing and playing a guitar. Um, but little did I know back then about social media and that'll probably keep expanding faster than the universe. Um, so anyway, what the story is about is I had about 20,000 followers, good content and no idea what to do with it. So only years later, I, I realized that as my interests have changed, um, the potential that I lost because of not being active and uh, more strategic about it earlier on. So, yeah, I, I pretty much realized it's still not too late to tap into it. Um, but at the same time with having a plan in my head. So what I started as a hobby um, turned into a career and I started learning and taking classes from people who worked with major influencers. And eventually now I'm teaching and helping others to succeed at social media marketing. So um, thanks again for having me today. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned entrepreneur to that because it does seem to me, aside obviously like, Social media marketing, it, it that's a very wide swath of people and businesses, but it's a very entrepreneurial environment. Right. That's so true. So what are what are kind of typical types of professionals that you work with in this arena? Uh, we mostly work with lawyers, real estate agents, financial advisors. Um, for us, what we understood early on was that it's easier to work with people who have high ticket clients. So in order to get the return on investment for somebody who, for example, owns a restaurant business, 
it would take a lot of reservations and a lot of people to come in. While for professionals like lawyers, real estate, finance, one client can be worth thousands of dollars. So with that little investment towards social media, it could really make a big difference and uh, pretty much also change how their business is running. So uh, that makes so much sense, too, in, in today's world where. I mean, some people only run their businesses through social media, right? That's their one way, one main way of marketing. Obviously, they probably have their own website, uh, but that's really how they promote their services and how they really can get out to the masses. And especially today, where there's so many different types of people on social media and you've got all the different platforms. Um, you know, before I feel like when it started, right, it was just like the younger, right, MySpace, that kind of generation when we moved into Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and everything. But now, right, when like my grandma's on Facebook, you've got a lot of a lot more uh, diversity on the social media platforms. It's a really great way to get your message out to a lot of people pretty fast. Um, one question that I have for you is kind of based on, you know, the fact that there are so many platforms. And, you know, in your experience, would you say that one platform is better than another for professionals in, in this area? Or is there kind of just you should kind of spread your spread your wings across as many platforms as possible? What do you think? Well, it depends on what your goals are. I think essentially you have to think about whether is it that you want to connect with new people and promote your personal brand or is it more the company page and do you want to show ads and stuff like that? So, for example, if you're mo more focused on the personal side and, and bringing, building your own brand image and authority, I would say probably LinkedIn is better for that. While when it comes to advertising and, and getting the best results from ads and conversions and website traffic, Facebook would be probably better for that, as well as Instagram. So. It really depends on what your goals are. Well, let's focus in a little bit on LinkedIn because I think some people view LinkedIn as a as like a job board, uh, but it really isn't that. So maybe sort of explain that platform for people and and how it could have value for somebody who in, in these professional groups like you're describing, you know, lawyers, uh, realtors, financial advisors, accountants. Right. So. For many people, it might seem like the market is super saturated, but that's only when you look at the surface level. Um, for example, here's something most people don't know about LinkedIn is that it has over 740 million members. And from those millions of members, only less than 2% are posting weekly. And most of these posts are actually text, graphic or um, link posts or something like that. So meaning not video. So, for example, if you're a law practice owner or a partner um, doing videos, um, sharing your expertise on LinkedIn and thousands of your industry peers are not, uh, you probably have no idea how big of a deal this will pay, play in your professional life in a long term. But the impact is actually huge. And the best part is that everybody can do it. Yeah, that's it's it's free in the sense that you don't have to pay to post on LinkedIn or, or any other uh, platform. How do you, it, well, let's focus, because you met, you, I think you set up two different um, points of view here. One would be you're doing, uh, say, LinkedIn, or you're being active on LinkedIn purely for your business, and then flip that, say, being active on LinkedIn for personal brand purposes, 
do you you know do you think of those as different in terms of the types of content that's going to be posted the types of uh, medium that you're going to use be it audio or just written or, or video uh, in terms of content i would say the the form of the content can be the same it can still be video audio photo text whatever but I think the goal is definitely different because when you're building your own professional network, meaning your profile and all that, uh, what you're trying to do is purely connect with people and, and show who you are and, and show your personality. While it when it comes to branding a business or promoting a LinkedIn page, uh, you want to be more strategic about who are you going to target, what kind of ads you're going to show to them first, What's going to be the retargeting campaign like? What kind of funnel you're going to take them through? So it's a lot more thought that I think actually goes into the advertising. While on the personal page, you can just be yourself and share a picture of yourself and your kids and everybody will love it. Um, and they'll also get to know you and who you are as a person. Um, so, yeah, I think the the content can be similar but the way you approach the market is definitely different so those are some really good tips that you just shared right there on what someone can do what other kind of basic tips for someone who's just trying to start creating their own personal brand and then also on the business side you know what can they do for in social media well first thing first is that you want to make sure that your profile is up to date um, this means having anything from a profile picture, a cover photo, all the featured sections and all your about sections, because it would be just a pity if you're starting to get more views from your posts, for example. Um, but once people land on your profile, they can't figure out what is it that you do. Um, so think in terms, what is it that people want to see when they go on their page? What catches their attention? and how to make yourself sound more relatable. So whatever that call to action is that you want to get, whether it's a more web traffic, getting messages, calls, or bookings, or whatever, uh, make sure that your profile description and everything else supports that call to action. Which means the links have to be active. <laughs> you, can't, yeah. you can't have a link in your profile that when somebody clicks on it goes to dead space somewhere out there in the world floating around digitally, which I uh, more more often than I would ever think possible seem to run into where you click a link. You know, I see I'm trying to connect with somebody or I see somebody that is posting things that I'm interested in. So I go to their profile, I click their link and it goes to no, you know, it goes nowhere. And now I'm on a search to find them if if I'm going to even find them. Right. So, yeah, working on your profile page at first, uh, I would say that's key and everything starts from there. But another thing I'd like to pick up is something not a lot of people talk about. And I'm talking about automation. Um, now, when it comes to automation, a lot of people think that it's like breaking the rules. I mean, all the social media networks say that automation is bad and it goes against their guidelines and usage policies. But the truth is that in order to send, for example, 100 emails to open profiles on LinkedIn, it would cost you around $1 per email. So if you think in terms that you want to reach 1,000 people monthly, that's $1,000. Um, and with that, figure, uh, 
LinkedIn would figure out the audience for you. And if you're new to advertising and don't have a lot of data to support your campaigns, it'll most likely send messages that to people that are not your ideal clients. And uh, now imagine if all of this could be done with a simple search and you find a thousand people just by searching on LinkedIn and you put it into that software, set up a messaging campaign and just roll it out. And you can literally reach 1500 people monthly and pay a very small fraction of the price compared to LinkedIn advertising. And you can do this with almost everything. You can endorse contacts on autopilot, visit up to 150 or something profiles daily, send messages, emails, add the maximum number of people to your network. And that's all on autopilot. And that that's a little bit of a, so to, to drill down that just a little bit, that's a little bit of a contextual issue because you, I think it depends on who you're targeting. So, the, and let me sort of, gives a little bit of gloss to that with LinkedIn in particular, uh, I'll get in mail or, or LinkedIn messages from people. And it's clear to me that they're basically using the exact same messaging service because at the first line of the messages, I looked at your profile and I'm very impressed. <laughs> so, and then there's, and then there's something in there. I looked at your profile. I'm very impressed. And then there's something in there like, okay, so you didn't look at my profiles, the answer to that first question. And you can't even articulate what it is about my profile that is so impressive to you. So it seems like obviously I'm not a very I wasn't a very good target for that communication. But in context, if what you're trying to do is just reach the maximum number of touch points because it's a math game of the the maximum number of touch points you have equates to a certain number of responses, equates to a cer certain number of clients, et cetera, or customers, you know, then that makes a lot of sense and doing it on an, an efficient, cost-effective way, then all of a sudden makes a lot of business sense. Yeah, that's, that's completely true. And I mean, it would be the same if you used um, LinkedIn-sponsored in-mail ads. Um, some of the people might not be able to relate to it too, but with automation, you kind of take the cost off the whole thing. So um, yeah. uh, it ends up being a lot more cheaper, especially for those who are just starting out and don't have maybe have some trust issues when it comes to social media networks and and all of that. So there's so many automation tools these days that uh, people have a choice to figure out for themselves what is the, the right approach. I'm not saying that everybody should send the maximum number of invites or send in-mails. I've heard a lot of people just getting success by viewing a lot of profiles daily because the, when you view someone, then they see that you viewed them and then they view you back. And yeah, uh, there are a lot of different ways to start a conversation with people, for example, on LinkedIn. You just have to find the right way to do it. I completely agree with you. And I think from my, my personal experience, like I get where Brent's coming from. I get those messages where you're like, oh, yeah, I've got like two or three of those and they look almost exactly the same. Like, hmm, okay. But in terms of there's others I feel like that are, are really creative, they're really unique and it really does seem like a very personal message that you're reaching out to someone and that's a really great way to really expand your network. 
And I would say too, you know, in terms of your saying automation versus like sponsored messages. And I don't know if this is just me or if this is how all LinkedIn profiles are in general or anything, but you can see like in the messages, like which one is a sponsored message, right? It has like big, bold letters sponsored. And whenever I see that, I'm just like, mm, not even going to look at this, right? Like if it's a sponsored thing, it's it's like a, I, I always consider it as like a sponsored ad almost. Like if, if you didn't it have- It actually is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and, and to me, I'm just like, well, you're not reaching out to me personally. Like where is that personal touch? And, you know, really trying to get to know someone on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So whenever I see a sponsor, I'm just like, boop, goodbye. We're at least on the automated side. I'm going to look at your message. I'm going to read it. If it's like the 10 other ones that I got that day, okay, I'm probably not going to really consider it. But if it's more unique, that's one way to really get a good connection going. That's very true. Um, I think when it comes to automation, there's one way you could actually make it a bit better um, and so that it doesn't sound too salesy or like the other messages you get in your inbox. And that's if you do your search correctly. And um, by this, I mean the targeting. So you can actually look at the list of people, for example, if you use one of the automation softwares and you can look at the list of people, you can see where they work, which locations they're at. So you can actually only message the people that you want and tick out the ones that you don't want to. So I've had lists of thousands of people and I only send messages to a hundred of those people because only a hundred of them kind of match the, the targeting criteria that I'm looking for. Um, so it does require some work, even though it's automation, but if you really want to make it right and, and set up your campaigns in, in the right way so that, the people who read actually respond. Um, there are some ways around it. You just have to be creative and uh, think about them first. So what, just like if you were selling anything else, think about your audience first. You want to make sure you sound as relevant and as re relatable as possible and put yourself, put yourself in their shoes. So once you get that done right, um, even automation can sound personalized. And I think you just you, you just hit on it. It's being able to prepare customized messages for customized groups of people. It, sending out a blanket message that is supposed to capture every single person in the world, like Rachel and I are uh, sort of complaining about receiving, um, that, that doesn't work so well. But if you can send out a message that now is much more tailored towards the recipient, so it has something in there to Rachel's point that is a little more personal and maybe catches their attention a little bit better, you know, your your success rate is likely to go up, I would assume. Yeah, and it, it can be those simple things like narrowing down on the location and mentioning um, something about their location. For example, if they live in Tampa or Orlando or wherever, um, you just mentioned, oh, I was there recently. How, how are things there? Or, you know, like if like, for example, some people are targeting big companies where a lot of people work. Um, you can mention the company name if it's such a huge cor corporation and that would make them feel like as if it's not something, again, just automated or uh, something about their uh, seniority level, or, or all these things you can actually include into your automation. It's not just that you can change the first or the last name and the rest of the message stays the same. Um, you can really tweak it so that it becomes as personalized as possible. 
So how about how about Facebook and Instagram? It, how would you approach Facebook campaigns or Instagram campaigns? And then is it different from the way you would approach, say, a LinkedIn campaign for a professional? Yeah, I think, and this is my personal opinion, uh, I think LinkedIn is a lot more B2B. So for businesses that are in B2B, um, it makes more sense for them to be on LinkedIn, to build their pages and their personal profiles and authority and all of that. While if you're selling $10 t-shirts or something like that, it wouldn't really make much sense to pitch people on LinkedIn about it. And this is where the Facebook advertising and Instagram advertising comes in really handy because it's a lot more cheaper if you compare it to LinkedIn advertising and it's a lot more consumer focused. So if you're selling to the end consumer, I'd say probably Facebook or Instagram are the two best places to go for that. Um, you can get clicks for like less than a dollar, impressions for two, three dollars per thousand views or so stuff like that. Um, so it's just it's just really cheap in comparison to LinkedIn marketing. And I would say Facebook targeting is also more advanced if if you compare it as such, because um, there's so many things you can do around it. You can create what they're, they're called like these custom lists and lookalike audiences. So that's from the pre-existing data that you already have. So if, for example, you would add a Facebook pixel to your website and this pixel would send all the traffic you're getting on your website to Facebook. So then you can later retarget. It'll also create lookalike audiences. You can retarget video views. Um, so I'd say Facebook is definitely better if you want to reach the masses, like go massive on exposure, like really aggressive. You're not looking to reach just like a niche market. Um, you're looking to reach hundreds of thousands of people online every month. Um, and Facebook is definitely a go-to place for that. How about uh, Instagram? Do you think the, the strategies are different on Instagram than on Facebook? In my experience, not really, actually. Um, mostly because uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram advertising uh, can be done through Facebook because Instagram is owned by Facebook. Um, so it's more of the creative looks different because the size of the photo or the video is different. So those are some of the things you might have to consider. Um, also, you might want to make sure that you're, everything's web friendly because most of people view their Instagram and Facebook on the mobile apps. So um, making sure that all of that set up correctly is how you how you turn uh, prospects into customers. So I love how you talked about earlier how like Facebook and Instagram as opposed to LinkedIn are really good for promoting your personal brand. Not saying that LinkedIn's bad for posting, you, you know, promoting your personal brand, um, but trying to really get it out there to the masses. And I've seen that a lot with, you know, really trying to distinguish yourselves in our markets. You know, there's a lot of financial advisors, there's a lot of attorneys out there, and we all want, like you said, a specific set of clients, right? 
And so how do you set yourself apart? How do you make yourself unique in creating that personal brand? And, you know, for, for Brent and I, we have a very boutique type of practice. We have, you know, niche areas that we, we really tailor to. And I feel like that's a great way for anyone to really then market themselves. Um, is there any particular strategies in terms of really trying to promote your niche on the different different mm-hmm. platforms? I think the best way to promote, um, if we're speaking about LinkedIn, is to just be yourself and not be too salesy. Because there are a lot of lawyers, for example, who are just giving their number and call us and we do estate planning or whatever the practice area is. Um, And that's just so mainstream and cliche and we see it too often. What people want to see is who are you? What sets you apart? Um, What kind of advice can you give? Um, Are you funny? Are you different? Are you speaking about issues that nobody else is? And those are some of the things that really catch the eye of the average viewer and uh, sets you apart from the competition because you're no longer just that person who is sharing something about their business and, and trying to get more sales. You're being you. You're putting yourself out there. And in some way, you're also becoming a sort of like an influencer. And you don't have to have thousands of followers and lots of views, even if it's just one person or two people that see your posts and get a lot of value from it. You might be making more money than those with tens of thousands of followers that post just I'm sorry, BS content. <laughs> yeah, it does it does seem for us that the key is to to your point, posting things that are could be a little bit personal, that it you know, at least to some degree they they show that you are a human being with a beating heart and and like you really exist. And then also trying to promote and, and put out content that's actually valuable, that's not just content that Nobody needs to look at what you're posting to find that content. You know, if, if all you were doing was posting very, very basic information that a quick Google search would give you even better information on anyways, then you're not really adding a lot of value to the marketplace. If that, at least from from our perspective, that seems to be where we find the most success or we find the most engagement through social media is when we post information that is a little bit out of the ordinary not wrong or you know anything like that or controversial but just a little bit out of the ordinary because it's different from what's just out there in the sea floating around yeah sometimes you have to be really bold and i like to remind that for everybody thinking of what their next post is going to be um make sure that you're like the first two or three sentences of whatever you post are attention grabbing Um, Because even if you want to somewhere put a little sales pitch, I would rather put it at the end of the post so that people who read through, once they read through, they actually know what I'm talking about instead of putting it at the top and then sharing the value afterwards, which doesn't really make sense because once people see you're you're just trying to sell them something, they're just going to scroll to the next post. So you want them to click that see more button and read more. And that's why any calls to action are usually best to be put 
at the bottom or sometimes even in the comments if you're if you're hoping like if you want to post a link it's better to post it in the comments because otherwise the linkedin algorithm is going to bring your reach down so yeah you can link a comment to your post after um, you posted it and just add it um, to the text but uh yeah that's just another tip how about the the difference or tension i think and and Rachel can chime in on this if she thinks this is off base between, say, quantity and quality, because I, I feel like a lot of people that I talk to, and mostly other lawyers who we when we get on the topic of social media for them, they're like, well, I don't know what to post. And so I'm going to post nothing or I don't have the perfect thing to post. So I'm going to post nothing or I'm only going to post you know, five times because I only have five good pictures of things that I want to use that are just spectacular and everything else is just not very good. Well, I think in order to succeed on social media, you have to post regularly. So no matter if that's for you once a week, twice a week or five times a week, um, whatever you can do still means something because that means you're still appearing on that screen. People are seeing what you're sharing. So I would definitely say quality over quantity, at least when it comes to content posting, because you don't want to be bombing everybody on your network with um, just some stupid updates. <laughs> you want to be real and, and you want to share good stuff so um, that, that actually your posts get more engagement and you can do some analysis about uh, what performs better or not. While if you're purely focused on the quantity, quantity, um, you don't really have a good picture to look at because everything's just not good <laughs> enough. So how about the numbers then? How do you decipher through the data and whether or not, you know, you all, all your efforts are are fruitful? Like obviously, right, if, you, if you're gaining more followers, if you're, you know, having more conversations with people, that's obviously a good sign. But when you're just looking purely at the numbers at the end of the day, how do you decipher through it all? Well, what matters to me the most is, am I getting a new contact or a partner or a new deal out of anything that I do? Um, and I think that's for most business owners. I mean, as honest and as good as we want to be, uh, we still care about the business. And in order to make it grow, uh, you have to make sales. So what I look at is that are my posts engaging enough for someone to message me afterwards? Um, and I actually check that. I have a few posts that I post on my personal page. Um, and sometimes I add at the end, um, send me a message or let's have a consultation or something like that. And for some of the posts, I get zero messages. And for others, I get like five or sometimes even like 10 messages from random people messaging me and asking to help. So that's definitely the main way how I evaluate my own personal page content. And um, yeah, I think that's really good. And I think the, the idea of just posting for posting sake, like I'm you know, just going to put anything out uh, just to have something floating around uh, in the internet with your name attached to it, maybe isn't the smartest thing. Um, my, my personal experience has been, uh, cause kind of to your point, I can go back, I can look at what I've posted, for example, on LinkedIn, I can see how many people have looked at it. I can see whether it had 
any sort of engagement, comments, likes, etc. And I am a very, what I've learned is I am a very bad judge of what is quality content from that perspective, right? The perspective of will people engage with this? Will the algorithm pick it up? Will, will it have some sort of meat to it and not just be something I post and almost nobody sees? I'm a horrible judge of what is going to be good and what is not going to be good, but I am a pretty good judge about what is useful information for my industry. And so that's where more where I try to focus rather than trying to prejudge what will be successful. I just try to push out information that I think could be useful for my industry. And that part I know a lot about. I know everything about that, but I know nothing about who will like it in the end. I actually have a I actually have a question for um, for Rachel and for you. And this this has to do with trying to manage multiple platforms. Because Rachel and I both try to manage, we both manage multiple platforms. We actually split duties on the platforms, but we're each kind of trying to manage multiple platforms. You know, is it, you know, do you think it's better to try to just tailor the content if you're assuming you're not doing paid advertising? Okay, so sort of set that aside. So sorry, I should have led with that. So set aside the paid advertising. You're just trying to put content out. You know, is it better to manage it by putting out different content on different platforms or tailoring the content for the specific platform? Well, it depends how good you're at it. (laughs) Definitely. Um, If you have enough time and money in that sense as well, um, I would definitely say tailor it to the different platforms because different platforms have different people on them. So if if something that, for example, converts well on LinkedIn might not convert as well on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whichever platform. Um, so tailoring um, your content is important. But what I like to do personally is um, making this micro content. So, for example, you have this piece of podcast. It's like 30, 40 minutes long. One thing is that you post the whole video, uh, the whole podcast on your page, but you could take like uh, pieces of it and and chop it up and post it onto different platforms, depending on what we're talking about um, at each section. So um, you should tailor um, your content depending on the platform that you use. But even if you don't, it's it's not like it's going to be a huge setback. You're just going to probably see that some of the platforms perform better because the content is more made for those platforms than the others. And then you're going to start wondering, okay, why am I doing so great on Facebook, but so bad on LinkedIn? And somebody will probably come in and say, there's different kind of content you should post on LinkedIn. Um, So that's pretty much it, but I wouldn't stop anyone from cross-sharing the content from one platform to another. It's it's better than sharing nothing for sure. Um, but if you have the time and the money and the resources to post different content on different platforms, I would definitely say you go for it. <laughs> Sounds like we're doing a decent job, Brent. <laughs> I say that's yeah. that's what we've done, right? And at the end of the day, it all comes down to time, right? And how much time can you expend, um, you know, pushing out and creating new content as opposed to 
working on client matters that actually bring in all the money. Um, but it, it's good to know that, you know, that's that's how we've kind of viewed our podcast is, you know, creating this this one main piece and then breaking it from there. Right. You can do a little snippet of it and then you can make a quote post from it and then you can post a picture about it. You could do a featured post about whoever the, the guest was. And so it's kind of you got the one main piece and at least you don't have to duplicate too much more work from that one piece. You're just kind of breaking it up from there. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the strategic steps you can take um, in order to save yourself some time and money and get some stuff out there. Yeah, excellent. Well, I love that. Really, really, really helpful information in here. So anybody who's listening and they're trying to figure out how do they use uh, social media or how do they improve the success rate of using social media? You know, we've I think we've covered a lot of really, really interesting and helpful tips from paid advertising on different platforms to coming up with content and how to how to create basically more content, you know, use content to create content like uh, Rachel was just describing. Uh, Eva, if people are trying to find you, what is the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn, <laughs> of course. LinkedIn it is, yeah. And we can put a we'll we can put the link to your uh, profile on LinkedIn in the show notes. So anybody who's trying to reach you, they can reach you there. Of course, they can just search you in LinkedIn. I'm sure they can just search you on Google and you'll pop up probably top of the list. But we very much appreciate your time and and expertise and we just can't thank you enough. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. <laughs> Hey listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. Rachel and I both really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed doing the podcast. We're trying to do our best work and bring you valuable and useful information. And I hope you feel the same way. And if so, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, uh, subscribe to our blog if you want to follow us and see the sort of things that we write about. And also follow us on social media at Wealth and Law, basically everywhere that social media is. Thanks so much. Thank you.